Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to, to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. I come to you through three media channels here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, and via our magazine. They are now all available to you at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Each month, we touch more than one million small business leaders through our various channels. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are carefully chosen for their expertise or experience. They do not pay to be on this program, but rather our editors and and readers like you identify them. If you have any suggestions or particular topics you want us to cover, please email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests. we are t- today, tomorrow, and Thursday broadcasting from the cloud for SMB Expo here in La- Las Vegas. We have a very interesting lineup, and I'm going to start with our fir- our first guest, Tony Jimenez. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. As we always do with our guests, we ask a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk about your company. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm the president and CEO of Microtech. I founded the company uh, a little over nine years ago. I started the company at my kitchen table, and I've been uh, very fortunate. I've been able to grow the company uh, substantially. We now have uh, almost 400 employees. We're in more than 30 states. We're providing a lot of technology around cloud and well, cloud implementation. Let me interrupt you. Okay. Uh, we want to know a little bit more about you. About me. How you got, how you got to uh, the, uh, that kitchen table, yes. and uh, it will go from there. Sure. I uh, spent a large majority of my adult life in the military. I actually retired from the Army in 2003, spending almost 24 years uh, in military active service. During that period, uh, I was uh, acquainted with information technology. Uh, The military decided to give me some degrees and some capabilities around it so I could help the military, particularly the Army, build out their their strengths and and particularly build out some of their very key and essential IT programs. Um, Before uh, I was in the Army, I was obviously doing... uh, you know what most people do when they're young. I, I went pretty much straight from uh, high school a little bit up right into the military. So uh, haven't had a whole lot of experience doing a whole lot else. Well, that's pretty good. Let, let's go sideways for just one minute. Uh, uh, I'm involved, as a lot of people are, in hiring vets. Is that something that you do as well? Absolutely. Uh, we've got a very proud uh, um I, I think you could say uh, heritage, even though we've only been around about nine and a half years, of really supporting the veteran program, and particularly programs like the one here. We're actively involved in supporting our veterans, and we've been involved in raising money and, and promoting awareness, particularly around some of the issues associated with ensuring that we're taking care of our vets and not making some of the mistakes we made back uh, during I know that era well. I cover the Vietnam Wars. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, your company, uh, uh, Microtel. Microtel. Tech. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company. Yeah, uh, as I said, I started the company at my kitchen table uh, back in March of 2004. And uh, our specialty initially was uh, network technology, and we've kind of morphed into doing a lot more around cloud and telecom, particularly around cloud enablement, helping small businesses uh, take advantage of cloud technology and, and allow them to be able to, to gain the efficiencies that are available to many of their large business competitors or their large business partners by being able to leverage the cloud through our micro-cloud appliance. 
Well, let's, uh, many small business people have a fear of the cloud. Um, they, they fear losing control of their data, losing control, etc. cetera. Uh, what do you find are the three main impediments for um, small businesses to reach the clouds? Well, I think the most and, and biggest and most important impediment is cost. Um, it's been almost cost prohibitive up until now. If you wanted to, to move into the cloud, you had to spend a lot of money to be able to buy the equipment and uh, buy the necessary services to be able to support a move into the cloud. And that's really come down in price, particularly that was one of the things we focused on was providing an inexpensive way to move into the cloud. Our micro cloud device is, is thousands of dollars cheaper. Uh, the standard cost to move into the cloud until we decided to move in and do some things around our cloud implementation was between $100,000 and $150,000, and that's a lot of money for a small business to put out. Now we can put a small business in the cloud and give them some amazing capabilities for less than $25,000. So you're talking about a huge difference in price. Even that uh, is a, sometimes a prohibitive cost. Uh, uh, the main attraction I've heard from small businesses is it's pay-as-you-go almost in a cloud application. Precisely. Um, how do you go about uh, determining? Uh, there's a question that um, puts you a little bit on the pricing of, of uh, a cloud application. How do you go about deciding? Well, the, what you're, you're essentially want to do is you want to figure out, obviously, what's your core competency and what are the things that you're doing now that make your business the successful business it is and then determine how well that business is going to be functioning if it's going to be a more efficient process to function in the cloud. So what we do is we go in and do an assessment and help small businesses determine whether or not the capabilities exist in the cloud for them to gain the efficiencies they need. And then we give them the security that they need, in essence, the capability that they need around this secure on-premise capability as well as leveraging off-premise. So we're not really changing their dynamic. We're still allowing them to continue to leverage their existing infrastructure, but bringing to them additional capabilities that exist in the cloud to decide what they want to do with what they've got in their offices, in their headquarters, in their company, and then decide how they want to take advantage of the additional things offered in the cloud. Well, um, many, many cloud applications, in effect, um, supplant the IT the manager. Um, how do you get get around and convince an IT manager to, in effect, uh, cut his his or her job in half or more? Yeah. Well, what you're really doing is not asking them to cut their job. What you're doing is showing them how they can take one or two or three people and be much more efficient, rather than going and hiring the additional two or three or five people that are necessary to put hands on labor. So it gives you an opportunity to in, instead of focusing on four people carrying the, the chariot. You've got now one person repairing the chariot, one person riding in the chariot, one person grooming the horses that are now going to be pulling the chariot. And more importantly, you can even now function with two or three or four chariots and do more with the amount of people you've got instead of reducing people. The idea is not to reduce people, but to give them greater tools, better capabilities, and to allow them to be able to do more with what they've got than the traditional things they've been able to do up until that point. It's interesting. Um, storytelling is the, the new in-word, and you just did the storytelling with the chariots. That's very good. Um, uh, there's been a large discussion about how do you get communicate, how do you communicate today, and stories are one of the ways. And you just did a great job on that. Um, Let's talk about uh, how uh, how a potential customer, he, he or she is giving up into the crown jewels, their company into your hands. How do you keep? How do they get the reassurance that the that it'll stay there and that it's safe? Well, we actually are approaching it from a little bit of a different position. We're approaching it from a hybrid cloud solution, where what we do is we allow the company to continue to maintain their own equipment, their own information. We go in and we assess what they have, and we virtualize their environment, and then we clouderize their environment. So in essence, what we do is take their existing information, put it into a virtual environment, and then put it into a cloud. And then we help them decide what they want to take off-premise, what they now want to reduce and move into an off-cloud, an off-premise private cloud, or an off-premise public cloud. 
so that they're operating with their own information, their on-premise, maybe their most critical information or their most important information, and putting what they don't seem or what they don't feel is as critical, or even perhaps backing up what they've got in an off-premise cloud capability so that if something should happen, if there's a flood or a fire or there's an outage, they still have access to their information. And once it comes back up, they've still got their information, but now they can use what's in the cloud, and their critical information is always protected and always secure. Well, uh, you have the you, you view this as a hybrid, and some some of the people we've talked to here at the show, uh, they're they're encouraging small business to put everything into the cloud. Uh, how do you reconcile the two? Well, I, I own a business, and my concern is is I don't want to put everything in the cloud. Not everything works well in the cloud. Cloud is still a, a young concept, and the idea is to put and maximize, to put the information that belongs in the cloud and works better in the cloud in the cloud. And then I, I don't agree. I don't think I want to put all my information in the cloud I, or, or in an off-premise cloud. I think that I've made a strong, heavy investment in my existing infrastructure. It works well, but I want to look to the future to be able to take that information and have an ability to be able to move from where I am to where I eventually may want to go and have the option, not just it's all out there and now I have to rely 100% on somebody. Maybe I don't want to have any more than 10% out in the cloud, and I want to have the other 90% on an on in my cloud, in my own cloud for my own company, and figure out what the dynamic is, what the percentage is for where I want to move it. Do I want to go to a 2080? Do I want to go to a 50-50? Do I want to keep 30% on-premise and 70% out in the cloud? So I just really think that in today's environment, feel comfortable with where you're going and what you're doing and have it customized for your own personal use and don't go with a one size fits all. I just don't think one size does fit all, particularly for small businesses. Well, what about you? What do you think should go in the cloud and what should not go in the cloud? I think that's really going to depend on the individual company. I like to have, uh, I like to have my information in my existing system in my headquarters on premise. But I do know and understand the importance of having redundancy, and I also understand the importance that we have an occasional power outage. And I can't, because I'm in a very large office building, afford to put a generator in and be able to give myself that kind of capability. So I want to, to run in the cloud if for some reason my power goes down or my electricity goes down uh, in the office, on the floor I'm on, or it goes out in the entire region, I want to be able to still be able to get to my information, and I want my customer still to be able to reach me. So if I put what I think I need in those types of situations, and I've built my solution around what I think my capabilities need to be, I think I'm going to be better off. And I don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get myself to where I I want to go all at one time. I can scope that over a two or three year period and eventually end up in a place I feel more comfortable with after I think the cloud has had a chance to kind of vet itself out for everybody to understand what they want to do to leverage it. You know, you emphasize that comfort. And in our surveys, uh, I'm doing a talk here tomorrow, uh, we found that the, the single most um, the single greatest impediment to um, uh, adoption of any uh, cloud product is this feeling of uh, a giving up the security, but b having uh, on the other side of the coin is having the ability uh, when disaster strikes to uh, be up and running fairly quickly, and it's a it's a difficult trade-off. And I was wondering if you had any. Further thoughts. You've been very articulate on it. If you have any other further thoughts about uh, security and uh, the ability to survive disaster. Yeah, I think the most important part is is that, you know, everybody um, can take on a little bit of risk and they can take on a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, of challenge. But the more you reduce the risk, the more expensive it's going to get. If you want a completely 100% risk-free solution, you're going to pay a lot more for it. And most small businesses, I know my small business, I can't afford to have the kind of four-box solution. 
uh, if I'm in the cloud that uh, that a company with billions of dollars can have. But I do want to operate securely, and I want to know that my information isn't going to be out there for everybody to be able to see it. It's going to take some effort if somebody wants to take my somebody wants to to take my information or hack into my system. They're going to have to spend a little bit of time and a lot of money. So what I'm really focused on is I want to come up with a method that doesn't inhibit or prevent me from being able to do the things I need to do. And I want to come up with something that gives me enough flexibility to where my folks don't feel like they've done anything different. They can still do it the same way they've always done it, but behind the scenes, it's operating a little bit differently. You brought up a very good point, which is, uh, uh, again, how, how does a new application duplicate what we're currently doing? Well, it, it's always a challenge. I know anytime I go to a new version of Windows or a new version of Apple, there's a, a learning curve associated there. And, and the idea is for cloud not to be difficult. We don't want to make it difficult. And people say, oh, golly, I remember back when Microtech operated normally, and now they're in the cloud and it's a lot harder. The idea is to make it a lot easier. The idea is to be able to do it so it's seamless to the user, and it's seamless to the customer, and it's seamless to the partner. And all it seems is that you're now running a lot better, a lot more efficiently, and more importantly, you're taking some of the risk out of it by spending a little less here and a little more here. It's not a matter of completely cutting one or cutting the other, but kind of you know, evolving to the cloud and not turning the lights off and turning them on and hoping that when you turn them on, they come on. Well, um, I've seen various surveys estimating anywhere from 36 to 15% to 36% of companies are now, small businesses are now in the cloud. How do you see the trends in the future? Well, you know, we gauge ourselves and our partners right now, and we determine, okay, what is it that makes IT challenging for companies? And what makes it challenging, obviously, is the cost and the security aspects and control. People want to have control of their information, whether it's their personal information, their bank accounts, their their logons, uh, their telephone numbers. And you want to give it out to who you feel like giving it out to and to who you feel secure giving it to. And the cloud really operates the same way. If you have the control and that system has been built to the specs and desires that you want, now what you can do is you can control how much do I want to put out in the cloud and how much safer do I feel putting it in the cloud than I do having my own information. And it's really the amount of risk that somebody wants to take. But my feeling is, is those guys that I work with, the AT&Ts and the Verizons and the CenturyLink, the companies that are big and that have a reputation for spending a lot of money on their cloud and their cloud security are the companies that I'm leveraging because they have made that investment and they're going to be better at securing information than I am because they've got much deeper pockets. So I want to leverage some of the things they're doing, but at the same time, leverage some of the flexibility I have by owning my own information and being able to control where I store it and how I store it. Can you uh, stand by a minute while we have a, a commercial break sure. and we'll continue this program? Absolutely. We'll be back in a moment. Tony uh, Jimenez of Microtech, uh, and I want to uh, uh, continue, but uh, I'm going to go sideways for a minute and talk about, uh, well, there's a commentary going on uh, in our background, but that's uh, part, part of why, why being uh, here at a show uh, is it, always interesting. That's far away, but that's, let's, let's continue. Uh, I'd like to go back and, and talk a little bit about uh, hiring the veteran, if I might, uh, because uh, uh, it, it's a subject that's uh, close to my heart and yours. Uh, what do you see are the advantages of hiring a, a veteran? Well, I think the biggest advantage is, uh, you know, the federal government's already vetted them for us. You know, you know what you're getting. Uh, they've had years of, in many cases, anywhere from two to three to five to ten to twenty to thirty years of working in a regimented uh, group, and and they understand the importance of showing up on time and doing the job they're being paid to do and working as a team, and they bring a, a tremendous amount of education. Uh, you know, they've been through leadership training and they've been through, you know, their basic training and their advanced individual training, which can be anything from, you know, IT to to administration to finance to 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 being a cook. 
and depending on whatever it is that you're interested in, bringing those kind of folks in who have already reached a level of maturity, which I happen to think that that's the good thing about the military is they work with these folks in their probably in their most immature state and take them from being brand new recruits to now responsible people who are now in charge of their own destiny and many times even in charge of others. So they've got a much higher level of maturity uh, as a result. And uh, not to mention that, you know, there's something about the selfless service. When people go into the military, they go into it because they're hoping to to improve their their situation. I know when I went in, I didn't have a whole lot going on, and uh, the military was a great place, uh, and I was able to learn a tremendous amount that now my company is taking advantage of. Well, that's good, good, and uh, we encourage our audience to uh, hire a vet because uh, uh, they've done for this country, and well, let's do for them. Uh, now let's get back to, uh, to your your company. You're here at, at the show. What uh, have you drawn any? I know it's early in the show. Have you drawn any conclusions from the show? Yeah, so far I'm I'm pretty impressed. I mean, uh, you know, from the keynote speaking to uh, the folks that are are displaying here and the, the kind of people that are coming together, it's obvious that uh, the cloud is an important part of what's about to happen. You know, it's already happening, but I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. I think that cloud is going to be as instrumental to the IT industry as the Internet was. I think folks are going to see new ways of being able to leverage capabilities and to be able to reduce costs and, more importantly, to become more capable by spending a lot less money. It's just another drive toward a more efficient IT environment. Um. Do you have a, Tony? Do you have any last thoughts for the, for this audience? These are people who are um, obviously tuning in because they because of the cloud and because of the desire. Um, let me, what do you think are the three things they should consider when making a decision about going into the cloud? I think the most important one is pay attention to what you do for a living. Make sure that you're not doing it because everybody else is doing it, but that you can measure the amount of change and, and the improvements that are going to happen as a result of moving into the cloud. And it might cost you initially a little bit more, but the fact is you need somebody to be able to spell out to you what can be gained. What's the ROI, return on investment, from investing in a company that has the ability to take you into the cloud? And how is that going to help you in 2014 and 2015 and 2016? How is it going to allow you to be able to take all those capabilities that are now being offered as part of the cloud and roll those in together to help reduce the cost so that you're not paying more, but that you're actually paying less and getting more? We really appreciate that you've come come today, taking time off from your uh, busy schedule. Uh, come again on the show during our regular time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Ah, here's our next guest, Jeff Valentine. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Okay. Um, this is Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Small Business Digest, we want to welcome you uh, to the show. Um, you are uh, EVP, Product and, and Development, or uh, I've seen this name all day. But <laughs> it's been in front of you, Finality. <laughs> Finality. Uh, and welcome to, to the show. Thanks very much. Okay, we start the program. Uh, we start each guest off with... Uh, a question about themselves, sure. not about the company, but All about right. themselves. I won't say anything about finality. You right. got it. <laughs> Tell us how you got to where you are and a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Wow. Uh, in 1999, I started a company. It was a dot-com. Uh -huh. uh, it grew it over the course of 10 years and sold it uh, to M5 Networks. Uh, after uh, selling to M5, I uh, worked with the executive team at M5 and sold that to Shortel and then stayed at Shortel through my earnout. And uh, now I joined Finality. I uh, run product and corporate development. So I suppose it's a twisted journey, but uh, <laughs> excited to be here. Before we go, Tony, come back here. I want to make an announcement for the two of you. I'm inviting no, no. Uh, you're both uh, winners. Of the, uh, after evaluating more than 100 cloud offerings, uh, submitted for us uh, for our July-August issue. And I am happy to announce that he, here on the show, 
Microtech, and uh, Shortel. Finality. Finality. Uh, I know the Shortel. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, have, your products have both been chosen as our, our Golden Silk Award winners. Uh, uh, there were over 100. We evaluated. There were just 11 of you. You'll all be announced in the next issue of Small Business Digest. Great. The four criteria we use were applicability to current work processes, ease of use, integration and, and expansion, value, cost savings, customer service, reliability, which is, a, again, a very uh, critical issue, and the benefits to our audience. I want to congratulate both of you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. And I'm glad you didn't walk off. <laughs> okay? We, that, that's what you have when you have a live show. <laughs> our, our previous Yeah, guys. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Now, now let's get back to you. So now you're at uh, Finality, um, uh, which, by the way, is a major sponsor of this uh, Expo. Yes. Now, what does Finality do, and how does it uh, help a um, um, uh, a small business uh, leader? Sure. Uh, well, we provide a phone system. You know, it's, yeah, everybody needs a phone system. We've got the best one out there, but we uh, we're different in a few ways. Most people think about phone systems as phones on desks. Our customers think of phone systems as a phone on the desk plus the thing that sits on their computer that lets them chat with other employees, that lets them transfer files, that lets them share screens and collaborate and become more efficient. Our phone system includes contact center features, so even for small businesses that don't think they're a contact center, well, we well, queue let me up. Stop, yeah. Let me stop you right there. You're talking about the product. Let's talk about how it, your your product or products like that yeah. help a small business. Sure. Let yeah. me give you an example. How about this? Uh, an auto dealer that needs to answer phone calls for service appointments. They need a phone system, right? The hard part about that phone system is they, those auto dealer service managers are actually call center agents. They don't know they're call center agents, but they are. You need to queue up calls. You need to distribute them. You need to know how many calls are being answered, how long people are taking on the phone. You need to manage your business to the metrics. And if you do that, you'll realize, like one of our customers did, that when, the, when they're supposed to open at 7 a.m. and they don't start answering the phones till 8 and you get all the calls abandoned and they go to get their oil changes somewhere else, you lose, realize you're losing money. So we help businesses earn more money by increasing sales and increasing customer service because our phone system and our, our the whole unified communication suite does that. Yeah, it's very interesting you say that because I'm having trouble this week exactly in that way. Really? Are you? <laughs> uh, I, I had a tr trouble with my car. And the only the only my mechanic couldn't fix it because it was something that they had to go back to the dealer. Customer service of this dealer is terrible. Right. Uh, and you're less likely to go back. You're certainly not going to recommend oh, them to your friends and colleagues. I, I right? certainly am not going to buy a car from them. Right. Uh, which is what where they really make the money. Yeah. Um, but now that you brought this up, sure. give us another example. Sure. How about an uh, how about a business that does. Uh, maybe sales and service of a software product. A small business like that might need to have employees over all sorts of areas in the country. Well, what if those employees are not busy during, let's say, 2 to 3 p.m. on a Tuesday? Maybe they don't have any appointments. Why not put them in a queue and make them part-time customer service agents? They're your best experts for your software product. Why not make them temporarily part of your whole workflow so that your call center that normally has, I don't know, five or six people answering phone calls from customers now has seven or eight, and you can handle the more calls without hiring more people. That increase in efficiency, the ability to dynamically change your business, that's something that we do really well. Okay, but now that's interesting. Yeah. You, you're putting somebody who's not into customer service. Into customer, customer service. service. That's exactly right. How do you try, well, how do you train that? And, yeah. And do you get some resistance on that? Yeah, I think it depends on the on the person. You can't take somebody that's used to being, for example, an outside sales rep and tell them to cold call 100 people in a day. They just don't do it. Yeah. Nobody likes cold calling. But I think you can take an installer, a software manager, a project manager, and say, hey, you've got to answer calls during our peak time periods. You're gonna, as a result, everybody gets a bigger bonus in the company, and there's lots of ways to create good incentives around it. Well, a small business, um, most people do have one or two That's jobs. Right. Right. You do anyway. Right. But now, uh, what are the advantages of your your uh, product over uh, someone else? We know what it is because we gave you the Golden uh, Award, but tell tell our audience. 
Sure. I mean, I think there's there's a couple of things. A lot of our competitors will focus on a whole range of market segments. They'll focus on the right 5,000 seat enterprise. And by the way, they love getting those 5,000 seat enterprises. And they'll focus on the three person, very small SMB, you know, BSMB, um, which has very different needs than the 5,000 person enterprise. We only sell like, and as in, we don't pay commissions to our sales guys on deals that are larger than 250 seats, and we only sell down to five or 10 seats. So that 10 to 250 space, that sweet spot means we know about the SMB. We focus on the SMB. We only solve the SMB problems. And I think for that reason, we're more appropriate for most for our customer base. We're not trying to satisfy everybody with a product that doesn't fit. Um, by seats, you mean the, the employees. Employees. Yeah, you've got okay. it. Yeah. Uh, the only reason Thanks for clarifying. I, uh, you and I know it, but yeah, 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 some yeah, of us right. in the audience don't. That's it. Thank well, you. Um, when a person, a uh, small business person, deciding on the system, what are the, the number one thing I think you have to ask yourself is, do you want to spend money up front or do you want to spend it over time? CapEx item or an OpEx item? Get an OpEx. If you choose OpEx, you're spending less money. Wait, wait, wait. Here's oh, two, two more terms. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll define them. I guess. If you're, if you're, if you're going to spend OpEx, you're going to spend monthly money. You're going to basically pay a rental fee every month. Reduces your earnings, but it means you can keep more cash in the bank account. However, if you want to choose OpEx, CapEx, where you're spending, you're basically writing a big check. Your bank balance goes down by that cash amount you're writing, but you spend less every month. Ongoing service. We uniquely offer the service both ways. So customers that want to spend money up front can can do that. And people that want to spend money, little money up front and more money over time can do that too. What, which do you find is the preferred? Operating expense for SMBs. Yeah. I, you know, SMB owners, I was one myself, they don't want to write big checks because that's your next payroll. Right. You know, So you, you, you don't write a big check. Instead, you, you pay a monthly fee. And in the long term, over four or five years, you're going to spend more dollars. The advantage is you have enough money in your bank account to go make payroll. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Harvard MBA say the present value of the money. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the money in your pocket is better than money in someone else's pocket. That's good. Um, uh, that was one. What are yeah. two others? Uh, so the second thing is the way in which we allow our, employee, our customers' employees to communicate. So it's more than just phones on desks. It's all about chatting with your employees. Uh, and maybe you've got a project manager that needs to chat with a software developer, that needs to chat with a technical service person. All those folks, instead of calling each other or sending emails, because, you know, we're all overloaded with emails, can use our built-in online chat system to go chat with people. And also with the same system, share files, they can share screens. That increase in efficiency means you're not spending as much time wasting time. You're spending more time on your business where it should be. Well, um, that's... Uh, telephone communication yeah. is so, so critical. Where do you see things going in the next couple of years? I see mobility taking over gradually. I see right now early adopters, um, you know, tech companies mostly, saying, we don't need phones on desks. My employees have mobile phones. What do I need a phone system for? And it's true. So you'll see companies like Finality, our mobility product, and we'll continue to enhance it, focus more on the mobility offering, than on the phone on the desk offering. I think phones on desk have a place. And when you're going to be on a conference call for six hours, you want a phone on your desk. Your battery's going to die on your cell phone. But if you're moving around a bunch, you want to you know, go out to lunch and still take phone calls and still chat with other employees using that same HUD application that we have, the heads-up display, uh, I think you're going to need something that's more mobile-centric. So you're going to see companies like us doing that in the future. Well, let's explore that a little yeah. bit. Um, when you say uh, heads-up, I mean, uh, like a holograph, a hologram, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that, except the one's in a web browser. So we actually have a, uh, a heads-up display for our business that allows you to see all of your employees in the company, allows you to see their presence, that is, what they're doing. Are they chatting with somebody? Are they on the phone? Are they leave? Are they out of the office? Are they even logged in? And if you log in at 5 p.m. on a Tuesday and half of your team isn't logged in anymore, you might ask yourself, why is nobody logged in at 5 p.m.? Is everybody leaving early? As a I think you, you have more visibility. You have real-time reports. You know how many calls are holding in your service queue. You know how long it's taking to answer them. You, know, you can listen to call recordings. You can coach your employees and listen in on their phone call. That breadth of features is encapsulated in something we call HUD, our heads-up display. Um, uh, 
establish the boundary between uh, private and, and company? Yeah, it's a great question, especially when you're going mobile, right? And you're yeah. using your mobile phone for both personal and for business communications. For us, it's really simple. Uh, you, when you launch the Finality app on your mobile phone, you're in business mode. You don't want to be in business mode? Close the app. Every call you make is through your personal phone then. But if you're making calls through the mobile, through the app itself, it looks like you're going from your office line. You have your office caller ID on the outgoing calls. You receive calls on a four-digit extension, just like if you were in the office. Nobody knows that you're mobile. Well, let me turn it. Uh, uh, bring your own device. Yeah. Now, uh, now fairly uh, expanding. How do you handle that? Well, for BYOD is a, it's an interesting trend. Um, I think enterprises are challenged by it more than SMBs. In the SMB world, it's normal for people to bring their own device. Why would a company provide iPads for everybody? They, they, they wouldn't. Um, enterprises used to. They used to provide iPads and phones for everybody, but SMBs never did. SMBs were always, use your own phone, sales guy, yeah. right? So I think for the enterprise, it's an interesting challenge now because you have all these different security requirements. What if somebody has something bad installed on their phone or on their tablet? Uh, in the SMB space, I don't see it as much of a concern. Uh, I, you know, The good news is you can use our software. You can use lots of vendor software to, to bring your own device, just like you always could for the SMB. Um, we tend to make it a little bit easier because we have the mobile version of the heads-up display. But for enterprises, for the 500 seats and up, they've got a real challenge with BYOD. I think it'll take some years to work out. I'm still really curious about this heads up. I mean, we've seen all these science fiction yeah. uh, no uh, novels. Uh, Luke, uh, remember the force. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a picture. We've got a picture on the table here. Right. Showing right now. Uh, but this is radio, so our yeah, people Yeah, I know. It doesn't, it doesn't really help, right, on right. radio. <laughs> but but it's on finality.com. So you can see a picture of it on Finality.com. Well, we always ask, how can um, our, uh, our listeners uh, you directly? Uh, well, uh, that's easy. Uh, you know, I, I think that the best way is through my email address, jvalentine at Finality.com. Hmm. Uh, but, of course, uh, anybody, if you just call the number on the on the website, uh, ask for me. Finality, thanks. Appreciate that. It's F-O-N-A-L-I-T-Y. Finality. What you just heard is the voice of our engineer, David Katzmeyer, who has done a tremendous job of getting us up and mobile here at the show. Uh, we, we wish we had fina finality uh, yesterday when we when we were trying to hook up, <laughs> etc. Yeah, right. Uh, we, uh, it was a good thing we got here early. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, it's. Um, uh, let's talk about that for a moment. Sure. You you have five, six, seven people here at the show. We do. Uh, how do you use your system to keep everybody in touch? Well, the first thing I did this morning when I woke up is I launched our mobile app on my on my phone. So you know, if I pull out my phone and I start looking at who's chatting with me, it shows me alerts about who's trying to chat with me right now. And I see I have seven unread chat messages. Um, so I don't actually have to use it to talk to people. Somebody just chatting me, say, hey, can you join this phone call? No, I'm at IT Expo. I can't join the phone call. So that kind of, again, they didn't interrupt me. They didn't ring while I'm on, on the, the live show with you. They were just able to chat with me, and I was able to respond. It augments my communication in such a way that I don't have to rely on email, which is overloaded anyway, especially when you travel. Uh, and I don't have to worry about whether or not I can answer the phone. They can just chat with me and see that I'm uh, online or not using my mobile device. Do you say your sweet spot is 10 to 250? That's right. And uh, uh, what, what happens under 10 and what happens over 250? The requirements diverge. That's what we found. You know, smaller companies want different types of things. Maybe if you're a five-person shop, you tend to want something different than a 25-person shop. And if you're a 25-person shop, you want something very different than a 500-person shop. So our, our software is just tuned for that range. Um, some smaller ones use us, and some larger ones use us. So very successfully. But most of them, 80% of the time, they, they're in that range. Um, so let me give you some examples of some differences. A very small SMB, a very small business, tends to want something more like Skype. They don't want to spend money on a phone on the desk. They say, look, I can just do Give me something like Skype for business. We technically can do that, and it's built in the HUD. You can use it like Skype, but it's not our focus. Our, our focus is providing more than just that experience. Our focus is providing other add-ons like collaboration, integration with Google and Outlook, um, being able to share your screens, uh, drag-and-drop phone calls, having a, something your receptionist can use to transfer calls around. We do that really well, and if you're five people, you don't take advantage of that. So it's not really as valuable. If you're 500 seats, you want things like 
I don't know, HIPAA compliance for healthcare. You 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 want like different security uh, uh, confirmations that we just don't go pursue third party validations because in our space they don't ask for it. Our customers aren't looking for that kind of third party validation. Um, it's interesting, the eighty twenty rule, et cetera, you you, you yeah. brought up. Uh, where do you see um, communications in general going? Future and then the far future. I expect that we'll focus less on the technology, like communications in general, and more on problem solving. So right now there's a problem around meetings. I don't know if you most small businesses have this problem, but starting a meeting on time is tough. Right. You know, somebody shows up five minutes late and everybody's waiting for five minutes, or if somebody has to leave early, or God forbid, everybody's on their cell phone during a meeting, even if it's an in-person meeting. There's a meeting problem in small businesses today. I think that needs to be solved. I think technology can help solve it, but you have to focus on the problem first to find the right solution, not not just say we can throw in a conference bridge. Because throwing in a conference bridge, which we include, doesn't solve the show-up-on-time problem. Well, that, that's, your, that's, uh, that's very accurate. We've had some... Uh problems in the, in the past. Nothing like having a guest not not there and you're sitting there That's with right. your hair. That's right. I'm uh, with you. We've, um, uh, how, do you have any ideas how to solve that problem? I have some ideas. Uh, I'll share some thoughts. What if your conference bridge, and we, we don't do this today, by the way, but what if your conference bridge uh, called everybody at the top of the hour? Didn't wait for them to call in, but it called out. It would kind of make everybody show up on time, right? right. <laughs> what if you just had a corporate policy that instead of starting meetings at 5 p.m., start them at 5.07? And somebody says, why 5.07? Well, because you remember. Because the minute matters. Yes. And I, I guarantee it, I've seen it. 200 people can hit a minute if it's not a round minute. Yes. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I think it's both technology and a little bit of process. And, and at Finale, we try to... We, we try to focus on the SMB to the point where we understand the SMB and we can make some of those recommendations. Well, um, evaluating your product, we were tremendously impressed by how it fit. Um, while we still have you here, sure. Look um, uh, back to uh, be what um, uh, integration. Yes, I'm still at XT yeah. on my computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, and I hate to give it up. Because I've seen other people have the problem of moving to Windows 8 or right. 9, etc. Sure, yeah, all sorts of uh, issues. How does you, uh, moving to a system like yours, what are the problems that face there? Well, yeah, I think the first thing you'll notice is, I mean, you want to choose a vendor that doesn't require a particular operating system because, as you said, things change. And maybe the new version of Windows breaks everything. So our system, our HUD, for example, runs in a web browser. As long as you have a web browser, and every computer does, it doesn't matter what the underlying OS is. But there are some other human changes that occur. When you start taking away the old Panasonic phone on the desk that's been there for 10 years, and you bought it at Radio Shack for three ninety nine or something, well, if you take that away from your employees and you put on a new IP phone with a color screen and with a headset jack and with all these new buttons that allow you to warm transfer or conference transfer or blind transfer and do all these other great things, you got some cool features, but your employees aren't going to know how to use it. So you have to make sure you choose a vendor that understands your business enough to train those employees. That training is is just as important as the technology itself, because if you end up buying something and not using it, you're not going to keep it. Um, you know, there's uh, I like to use the example of Salesforce.com here. Salesforce, the last time I looked, um, and it's this online CRM company, right? They provide, and they're, they're the largest, I think they're great. They, they churn, they lose 2% of their customers a month. A lot of customers that leave them. So they have a chief adoption officer, somebody that's in charge of keeping people using it. The biggest reason why they lose people is because somebody had made the decision to install it in the company, and nobody trained the sales guys on how to use it, so they don't use it, so they cancel it after a year. It's a big problem. Um, so at Finality, we try to focus on technology that doesn't require intensive training, that's easy to use, so that you don't have to go through days-long adoption programs. Our net churn, for those financial folks out there that care about this kind of thing, is zero. We lose as many customers as we gain from our base in a month. Every month. We're churning no customers. It's wonderful. It's a great business to be in. because, And that's, I think, a testament to how easy the product is to use and how much people love it. Okay. Again, uh, spell finality? Sure, yeah. F-O-N. 
A L I T Y. And of course, the website is phonality.com. Okay. And if they want to reach you, Jay Valentine at phonality.com. All right. My name is Jeff Valentine. Thanks for having me. Oh, real pleasure. Leanne? Yes. I'm so glad you made it with us. I haven't been in Las Vegas in a long time. And I, I wanted our audience to learn a little bit about you and a little bit about your company, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Tommy Licata. So, Leanne, tell us a little bit about your own little, your own background before we talk about CE1. Well, I came from a background of uh, airlines management in Alaska, and then when I moved to Las Vegas in 1985, I uh, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get back into that area, and I actually became acquainted with some of the staff at Creative Endeavors, and they brought me into some of the trade shows as a temporary person, and it worked into a full-time job shortly thereafter. Uh, now, I ended up purchasing the company after the previous owner, Tommy Licata, passed away in 2008, and I'm just really excited to keep his dream alive. Well, we're with uh, we're talking with Leanne Short uh from CE um uh f- from CE1 and what does CE1 do? Well, actually Creative Endeavors, which is uh CE1 as our uh, website uh Creative Endeavors and Las Vegas Management are sister companies under the umbrella of the corporation, the arrangers. Creative Endeavors is the corporate meeting planning division, and we plan events for our corporate clients for their attendance at trade shows or product rollouts, uh, any of their corporate events. And we also specialize in information technology solutions for registration for those types of meetings. Uh, we also do, um, we have a lot of user groups in the technology industry, and we're very well acquainted with the types of information solutions that those higher technology groups need in order to plan those meetings and to have people specifically select the types of tracks that they want on for their educational purposes. Then Las Vegas Management, on the other hand, is our trade show division. And we own the uh, Glass Craft and Bead Expo, and we also manage other trade shows. Well, um, uh, I've I've known uh, you and and the the company for uh, almost too many years now. Um, And uh, uh, I could only say how much... uh, uh, we appreciate it. I love your glass show. Um, uh, your, your glass show is always interesting. Uh, it's in March, isn't it? It is usually the uh, last week of March or the first week of April. kind of depends on when Easter falls. We don't want to conflict with that. And it is really the premier glass art and bead trade show and educational conference in the United States. People come from all over the world to take classes. It's really grown it's really, really grown, even over the uh, the downslide in our economy. I think people still find money to do things that they are passionate about. Well, that's um, I strongly urge you. Your website is ce1.com. Am I right? Well, we have the ce1.com website. We also have lasvegasmanagement.com. And the Glasscraft and Bead Expo has its own website, which is glasscraftexpo.com. Okay. Uh, now that we've talked about your company, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about Tommy Licata. Um, uh, I'm taking a, this forum to talk about him because I, uh, he's one of the real great characters uh, that I've run into in a lifetime of uh, running into characters. He he was certainly bigger than life. Um, your father's memory of, of Tommy. 
One of my fondest memories of Tommy, Tommy always wanted to bring out the best in in an individual, in a meeting, in a conference. And he didn't particularly care which it was. He was trying to bring out the best in every individual that was involved in anything that he did. We had a last-minute request for a complete uh, company-wide sales meeting for a major computer company, and they had kind of an urgent need to have a conference immediately. And those things are usually planned nearly a year out, and it was hard to find the type of space that they needed in a hotel of the level that they needed. And we actually had to settle for a three-star hotel when we would have rather had a four- or five-star hotel. And my fondest memory of Tommy was turning that three-star hotel into a four- or five-star hotel while we were there. He got everyone excited about raising the level of of their service and pulling off a conference that they would be proud of. And afterwards, he brought the entire staff together and had a champagne toast because they did accomplish his goal. Well, um, that's well in line with what I remember about Tommy. The reason um, uh, we, uh, uh, I particularly liked him is he was flamboyant and, and at the same time caring. Um, uh I first met him uh, when every uh, CE uh, conference came uh, uh, came to town in January. It was the busiest time. How many you used to have thousands of rooms to fill with your clients and uh, the, uh, the consumer electronics show and uh, how he did things and with such a flamboyance made a real impression on me. And when I first met him, the, the Bead and Glass show that you now now is worldwide was a, a small little show in the in the basement of a hotel. Now it's, it's a worldwide, and uh, uh, with the help of you and other people, he's made it a, a great. He, it is a great show, and uh, to, Tommy's passing uh, hurt me. It isn't. Um, we used to have uh, dinner in New York at a particular restaurant, and I cannot it, now, four years later, pass that restaurant without thinking about Tom, Tommy. There's an old saying, you're never really dead till no one remembers you. So I wanted to take this occasion with uh, Leanne to uh, uh, say a little bit about Tommy Licata. And uh, uh, Leanne, if they want to reach you to talk about CE1, how do they do it? Well, I can always be reached at um, my email address, which is Leanne, L-E-E-A-N-N-E, at CE1.com. Okay. Um, uh, I thank you for coming on today, and I thank you for sharing memories with uh, Tommy Licata. We'll be back tomorrow with more from the Cloud for SMB show. This is Don Mazzella, and this is Small Business Digest. Thank you.